0: I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, when I think about Thanksgiving, I'll just tell you what my Thanksgiving day always looks like. What, what always happens on, on that Thursday to, from the time that I wake up till the time that I go to bed. One thing that's a priority on Thanksgiving, you have to go hunting on Thanksgiving. I'm always dreaming about getting that big Thanksgiving buck or, or that banded duck on Thanksgiving. It's never happened, but I've spent a lot of time going after that. The good thing about Thanksgiving is, when you're hunting on Thanksgiving morning, you can always bring a big breakfast to not feel guilty about it. And maybe that's why I've never killed that big buck because I'm 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 going through sausage and biscuits like they're going out of style. I don't know if that's true or not. But then you know that when you come home, you're going to get to sit down and eat Thanksgiving dinner. Now for us, that means that we go to Shreveport to my wife's parents' house, and as we're driving over, um, we know that. Dinner is going to be, or lunch is going to be at, at noon, but by the time we get there and start putting stuff in the oven, that really means that lunch is going to be at one o'clock. And we sit down and we eat, and you're so hungry by the time that it happens, you just eat and you eat and you eat and you eat until you're absolutely just, just miserable, right? Because that's the goal. That's, that's kind of, you know, when, when, when Thanksgiving came around, that's the goal, to be miserable. And... Then everybody starts passing around the sales papers, all right? You know this is true, right? I mean, don't, don't deny it. You start passing around the sales papers and somebody gets through with it. And somebody's like, where's the Walmart? And it's like right here. And they're like, pass it to me when you get through, you know? And so we're looking at the sales papers. And then it's time to go because you are starving because you haven't eaten in two hours. And now it's time to go to the other half of the family. So we drive over and my mom made some great gumbo. And so we sit down to eat gumbo because you're, you're famished and, and, and you just start pounding it. And then it's like, man, I haven't had dessert. And that is like, I've had three desserts today, you know, my little girl. And, and, and you fill up and then you go to bed. Now, when I was younger, you just go to bed, right? When you get older, when you've eaten that much, you don't just go to bed. You just, you lay there and you moan. <laughs> you get up. You walk around. You know, I don't know why at 15 you could just go to sleep, but, but at 35 you're not going to sleep, you know. You're just walking around, you get up, you watch TV, you hang out. But the good part is you get to bring home leftovers. You get to bring home all this Tupperware full of dressing and turkey, and you're, when you put it in your refrigerator you're like, I never want to see this ever again, why don't we bring it home? But then magically at lunch on Friday you, you, you wake up and you're kind of, like just like trying to figure out what end is up and you're like man some turkey would be really good right now and you start digging through and you start digging through your leftovers and if you do it like us by saturday at lunch everything is gone leftovers pretty big deal pretty big part of thanksgiving what we're going to look at this morning is is what do leftovers look like in the in the christian walk clayton and i talked several weeks ago when chris asked us to preach and we said, what if we, what if we, you know, let's pray about it. Let's really think about it. What if we preach on the same passage this morning? Um, and we kind of started talking and got to this idea of, of leftovers and kind of asking ourselves a question. Are we bringing God our leftovers? We're going to be in Malachi chapter 1 this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to flip there, it's the last book of the Old Testament right before Matthew. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 1, and what is being addressed through the prophet Malachi is this idea of bringing God our leftovers, and what does God have to say about it? What I want to do this morning is ask, ask three questions that I think that scripture answers as we walk through this, and see where we land with this, and then also, what do we need to do about it? So the first question that I would ask is, what is the problem? What is the problem that's being addressed here in Malachi? And if we if you have your Bible, we're going to start in verse six, Malachi one six. It says, "A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear?" says the Lord. Verse. Uh, the host to you, O oh, priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised you? In verse seven, it says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. Now I want you to grab that, what he says. By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. God lays out the problem to these priests. What was going on here is the people were bringing unfit sacrifices to the Lord. And they were giving them to the priest and the priest were accepting them and the priest were bringing them to the altar to make a sacrifice to the Lord. They were bringing the lambs or the whatever the animal happened to be that were lame, that were not worth as much money for resale, that were not as good to be eaten. They were bringing the leftovers, the, the, the sacrifices that they couldn't do anything else with. And maybe justifying it in their head, they were like, well, we're going to burn it up anyway. Let's just go ahead and bring this to the Lord and that will be fine. And what God has to say about it is that he's got a major problem with it. He's got a major problem with it. He said, you're bringing polluted food to my altar. I want to ask you, for us today, what, is that, what does that look like? And I, my question that I would pose to us, are we bringing a polluted offering to the Lord? Offering, we automatically think about money, but but, but, but maybe it's just more than money. Maybe it's our service. Maybe it's our, our time that we are spending with God. Maybe it is the way that we are serving inside of the church maybe it's the way that we are sharing Christ with others maybe it's just the amount of time that we allot to God every day a lot of times when i'm talking with students i'll ask a key question i just kind of just kind of my catch question with students of how are you doing with god how are things with you and god and a lot of times, you know, when we're talking, if things aren't going well, you know, obviously they'll say, well, things aren't as good as they could be. And, and so my next question is, what is keeping it from being as good as it could be? Nine times out of ten, the answer to, my, the answer to that question is... Well, things are so busy and I've got so much stuff going on and there's so many things that are happening in my life right now and I'm trying to get through school. I'm trying to, school is tough. I got a lot going on with sports, practice is long. And by the time I get home in the evening, I am struggling to find time to spend time with God. And so we talk about how to rearrange priorities and things of that nature. But I think that this is very true for us as well as adults, that it is really easy to let other things encroach and to keep us from having the quality time that we need to be spending with God, the quality time that we need to be serving God. And so if this is us asking this question ourselves, how are you doing with God right now? And God answered that question for you. Would he say that you are bringing me your leftovers? So that's the problem that he's addressing. The next thing that he addresses after that is what do we do about it? If there's a problem, then we've got to address and say, okay, there's a problem. If we don't address it, there's a problem and admit that there's a problem, there's nothing that we can do after that. But then after that, we've got to decide and what are we, we going to do about it? How, how is this going to look? And, 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 and God goes on and explains what he has to say about the problem. In verse 8, It says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? He says something really big here. He said, basically what he's getting at is, guys, you're offering your best in other areas of your life without question. You're offering your best in other areas of your life. Would you, would you consider bringing the governor this lame sacrifice? Would you consider bringing the governor this blind animal? No, you're going to bring him your best. Why? Because you know that there are repercussions to what you're going to offer him or what he expects from you. And you see that person face to face. And my question is, why do we do that? Because I know that I do that. I know that I do that at times. I shortchange God, but I won't shortchange somebody else that's in authority in my life. I'll make sure that I work really, really hard at work, but then it's really easy for me to shortchange God in my time that I spend with Him. And my question is, why, why do we do that by our very nature? And I can't help but believe that we know that God is gracious, we know that God is forgiving, we know that God is loving. And it's really easy for us to say, you know what, if I mess up, God's going to forgive me anyway. And I know that I've done that in my life at times. There's a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor in the 40s, uh, late 30s and 40s. He was a very, he was in direct opposition. He He was a German Lutheran pastor, but he was in direct opposition to Nazi Germany and he wrote a book, it was, it's called The Cost of Discipleship. I'm going to tell you that if, you, if you've never read that book, I encourage you to get it. I also want to give you a heads up, it's not going to be like an afternoon read or an early evening read. It's pretty, it's pretty thick, heavy stuff. It's not going to be like flipping through the Hunger Games. It's, it's going to, it's gonna, you kind of read a paragraph and then you sit back and you're like, all right, what did that even say? How, how, how in the world? But he talks about this idea of costly grace and cheap grace. And when I was reading it, it was the first time I'd ever really heard that concept, and I was thinking, and I just set my book down, and I was like, man, this is mind-blowing. This is crazy stuff, but this is so, so true. And basically, the idea of costly grace versus cheap grace is is that that grace from God is real, but it's not cheap. It costs something. I've got a quote, and it's, 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 it's a couple of sentences long, but this is a quote from the book it just stands out to me. It says, costly costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You are bought with a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Man, that's, that, is, that is good stuff, but that is, that is heavy stuff. My question is, do we look at God as the ultimate forgiver, and are we living life on cheap grace? Janelle and I have a show that we watch, Blue Bloods. Anybody watch Blue Bloods? Okay. I mean, it's kind of like, we're kind of like, it's kind of our, like our old person show. I hope I'm as cool as Tom Selleck when I'm his age though, because I don't care how old he gets. He's cool. All right. But he, on Blue Bloods, he has a deal that he passes out to his friends and it's called the commissioner's card. Right. And so if you do anything, you get in trouble. All you do is flip the commissioner's card out and it's all it's all covered. And it's a really cool concept. And I would love to have one, you know, because then it's like, you know, hey, I know that you really want to get on to me right now. But hey, I'm buddies with the commissioner, you know, and then it's all that it's all good. My question, when I was sitting there and I was thinking and reading through this, I'm like, man, do I flip God's card so much to him? Do I say, God, you know, hey, I know I messed up, but look, you, you covered me with grace, so hey, here's this. I'm going to go ahead and give you this card and, and, and you know, just, just forgive me and just roll on until I decide I want to do it the next time. And I'm not saying don't mess up because that's impossible, but what I'm saying is that, that, that don't live on the fact that, that, that grace is so easy and so cheap that we can do whatever we want to do. And I think that's what God is pointing out. The second thing that I think that God, what God has to say about it is in verse nine. And what he has to say in verse nine, it says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show you favor, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10, it says, oh, that there would be one among you who would shut the doors. That you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. What God has to say, he's talking to these priests. He said, guys, if, if this is what your sacrifices look like, if this is what, for us today, we could say, if this is what Christianity looks like, he tells the priests, why don't you just go ahead and shut the doors to the temple? because this is never what I intended or planned on it to be. If God looked at us in our life, and I just am asking a question. I'm, I'm just, this is what has rolled through my mind all week. If God sat down with me and he said, Josh, if this is what Christianity is, what you're doing, why don't you just not call yourself a Christian because this doesn't look anything like this. And I know that that's heavy and that's hard, but I couldn't get that out of my mind all week long. And I wonder if there are times that God has said this to me. And I know that that's heavy, so let's let's lighten it up a little bit. Janelle and I went to Denver about four weeks ago. This is going to be fun, okay? We went to Denver about four weeks ago, kind of had a uh, conference slash retreat, marriage retreat, and um, just kind of got away for a few days. And it was great. One night we had the evening off and we were like, let's go out on a date. So I was like, man, we're in Denver. We're at a major retreat, conference. This has got to be good. I've got to put together the date of all dates. I mean, it's just got to happen. And I'm like, what would make this the most awesome date in the world? Now, one thing I'm really good at is buying massage gift certificates for my wife. And I'm like, you know, something happens. I mess up. Something goes wrong. I'm like, yeah, you know, one hour. Here you go. All's good. But I've never, she said, Josh, you need to get a massage. And I'm like, that ain't happening. I'm not getting a massage. Nobody's going to rub on me. It's just, it's not happening. I'm, I'm, I'm not made to be rubbed on. And, but I was like, you know what? She's always wanted to get a massage. How about I get a couple's massage? I was in Denver. I don't live in Denver. I live in Shooter, and I don't know who, you know, where a good place to get a massage is. So I asked my friend Google. I was like, massage Denver. And then I looked and it says couples massage, hour and a half, $90. And I'm like, hey, it costs that much for an hour, buy one person back here. That's a the other thing, I like saving money too. And I'm like, this is a great deal. I called it, I booked it. They had a little bit of trouble understanding me, but I booked it. <laughs> and I was like, come on, baby, we're going out on a date. I put it in my phone, we take off to the massage place. When we get to the strip mall that it's in... I'm like, is this the right place? And it says like, you know, like heavenly massage or whatever. And I'm like, there she is, Janelle. I said come on, baby, let's go get our massage. I knew that we were in trouble when we walked in and we sat down in the waiting room and there was a huge fish tank that didn't have any water or fish in it. And I was like, this is not good. And they took us back and they said, we've got a nice couple's room for y'all. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And we walk in and they're like, we're going to massage your feet first. And I'm like, I don't really want you touching my feet. And Janelle said, shut up and just t- get the massage. And I'm like, okay. She's over on this side of the room. I'm on this side of the room. They put my feet in the warm water. And I'm like, this feels pretty good. Just let me hang out here for a while. And then she's like, I'm going to come rub your feet. I'm like, I don't want you to rub my feet. And she starts rubbing my feet. And I'm like, this is not that bad, you know? And I'm like, she said, you're, you're tense. You need to loosen up. I said, lady, you're rubbing my feet. I'm, I'm... Uh, this is not relaxing to me, but I'm working on it. I'm trying, be patient. And she gets to my toes and she starts rubbing on my toes. And it is the most ticklish thing I've ever felt in my life. And we're sitting in this quiet room with this low music. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really tripping me out. And, and she's rubbing on my toes and I'm like, I can't take it. I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream. I was like, just make it through it. Just make it through it. And I'm like, she's only three toes in. I can't. And I just start screaming, laughing. And, and, and I mean, she's like, "What?" And I was like, "You're tickling me, lady." And Janelle is sitting over there. She's like, "Oh my gosh, just shut up!" And, and she keeps on. I'm like, "Look, just quit with the toes. It ain't, it ain't relaxing. I, my toes are good." And then she says, "Okay, it's time for your massage." Now me and Janelle had already talked about this, and we said, "Okay, we're we're getting a massage." And I said, "Janelle, I said, what? Well, tell me, give me. I like to know what things are going to be before I walk into a situation." And she said, "Well, look, you're just going to get on the table. You're going to take your clothes off." Like, Whoop! <laughs> Not happening. She said, "Well, she can't massage you through your clothes." I'm like, "Well, she's gonna figure out how to." And she's like, "Just lay down on the table. They're gonna put a towel over you, and you're gonna get there. just relax. Just close your eyes." She says, "Well, go get on the table." She said, "Take your clothes off and get on the table." They walk out, and I look at Janelle and said, "I'm not doing it." She said, "Josh, you're not gonna embarrass me. Take your clothes off and get on the table." I said, "Well, I'm leaving my drawers on." And she said, "Josh." whatever I got on there and I put my towel around me and I laid down on the table and she comes in and she says are you ready and I'm looking at my clock I'm like I'm ready for this to be over and she starts rubbing my back and then the next thing I'm like okay this is not going to be bad she rips my towel down and she pulls my undershorts down and then she just goes massaging. and I'm like this is why I don't do this And I'm like, this has gotta be as bad as it is. It's gonna, it's not getting any better. And then the little lady jumps up on my back. And I'm like, she's not on the ground anymore. She's on my back. And she's got her feet on my honey, and she's got her hands on my shoulders, and she's rocking around. And I'm like, this I've got to get out of here. And then she finishes out, and she's coming down my back, and and I'm like, I'm so tense and I'm so miserable. And then she comes down and she gets down to my, to my honey and she goes, I was like, done, I'm out, I'm out. And I will never do that again. And I walked out and I said, Janelle, is that what a massage is? And she said, well, not all the time. And I said, Janelle, if that's what a massage is, I don't want any part of it anymore. Because there's nothing, if a massage is made to be relaxing, if it's made to be um, enjoyable, rejuvenating, And all of these things. It was none of that. I'm miserable right now. And I just feel violated and I want to go home. (laughs) And I wonder when God sits there and he looks at this. And he's looking at this situation. And he's talking to these priests. And he's like, guys. If this is what Christianity will be. If this is what your sacrifices to me are going to be. Just shut the doors. Because it's not ever what I intended. And I wonder for us this morning, is that what God is saying? I wonder for us, is that not what God is saying? Quickly finishing up in verse 11. He says, for from the rising of the sun to the setting of, um, to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure Offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what God has to say He said, Guys, whether you decide to do it right or not, if you decide to live by this cheap grace or bring me leftover sacrifices, I want to tell you and I want you to know something. My name is going to be great around the world. My name is going to be great, and people are going to fall on their knees at my name, whether you choose to be a part of that or not. And something that kept rolling through my mind is this phrase, God's glory is not dependent on our dedication, but our favor with God personally is. God's glory is not dependent upon our dedication, but our favor with God personally is. God is going to be great, but the question is, are we gonna be able to be great with God? That's the goal. So lastly, what do we do about it? What what do we do? We've seen the problem, we've seen what God has to say about the problem. What do we do? And and I think that this is so incredible that Jesus actually addresses the problem years and years and years later, and we get to look at Jesus, what Jesus has to say about the same problem in Luke twenty one. In Luke 21, it says, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Brian, you can leave that verse 4 up there. Jesus was talking to his disciples about this woman, what she brought monetarily to the table. And I think that Jesus would say the same thing about our actions and did say the same thing about our actions to the Lord. And the same thing that what God is talking about, about people bringing the sacrifices. He said, It is easy to bring what is easy for you to bring. It is easy to bring what it is easy for you to bring. But where you find God is where you bring all that you have to the table till it hurts. I believe that it is easy for us to live a low moderate life with God. But all that we're going to have is a low moderate relationship with God. The day that we collectively as a church start living Where we are having to make sacrifices in our actions, in our obedience, in our time, and in our money, we will see God. And we will see God move mightily in our life. My question is are we as a church ready to do that? Let's pray. As we prepare to pray, I just want you to think about this question. Where are we living cheaply for God? In what areas of our life? Is it our time that we spend with Him? Is it with our service to His church? Is it with our evangelism and sharing Christ with people that we come in contact with? Is it simply by our moral actions? Is it with our money? Where are we living cheaply with God? Where are we bringing Him our leftovers? And the second question is then, if this is our problem, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to keep on keeping on? If you're anything like me, you've hit a spot where you know that this, hey, it's not working anymore. This that I'm doing, it's not working anymore. It's easy, but it's not working. what are we going to do I encourage you I have to do this this morning this week as I read this I just became extremely convicted all week long about it and I just had to kind of fall before God and take some honest looks at areas of my life say what do, what do I need to do God what do I need to do I don't want to live cheaply anymore I don't want to live easy bring you my best. I want to bring you my best. I encourage you this morning to do business with God. If that means that you've never given your life to God, I encourage you right now to say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I mess up and I'm I'm far from where you want me to be. But I know that Christ died on the cross to bring me salvation and that cost was, was high. God, I want to give you my life completely that I can live 100% for you. Save me today. As you look up, we're fixing to have a time of invitation. There'll be ministers at the front. The altar is going to be open. The one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to pull your string just to make you feel better or to make myself feel better. But if you need to do business with God or you know somebody that does need to do business with God that you just want to fall on your face before Him, I encourage you to do that. There's, it's, it's easy to be comfortable. Let's, let's, let's look and see what uncomfortable looks like and see what happens. Let's look and see what uncomfortable looks like and see what happens in our life. Will you stand with me?